Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. When I say Canada and food, what do you think of? Halibut, salmon, sablefish, a type of dried salmon called upsqueak, Yukon sourdough, reindeer, caribou, elk, hascap berries, bread, five flour, sour cherries, lentils, and uh, mustard seed, lake fish, tortillere, lobster, fiddleheads, and blueberry pie, yeah, wild blueberry, jigs dinner, a bottled moose, cod, 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 bottled rabbit, moose pastrami, whale, and seal, and um, musk ox, and arctic char, and tons of berries from the land. Those are just a few of the things that come to mind for Dana Van Veller and Lindsay Anderson, authors of the newly released cookbook Feast, and creators of the award-winning culinary travel blog, also called Feast. When it comes to Canada and food, they are unusually well qualified to answer. They spent five months traveling to every province and territory in order to experience and write about Canada's diverse food culture. The cookbook contains over 110 recipes, 90 of which were contributed by a wide-ranging group of people they met on the road. Chefs, bakers, farmers, producers, bloggers, home cooks, and the rest of the recipes were developed by Dana and Lindsay themselves, and range from their own version of the classic Canadian cocktail, the Caesar, to Arctic apple fritters. Part travel journal, part anthropological study, big part cookbook that exemplifies the diversity of cuisines within Canada, reading and cooking from it may just be the best way to celebrate 150, if you're into birthdays. Dana and Lindsay came to my kitchen to make a delicious take on a Sunday night classic, meatballs. In this recipe that comes from chef Tim Davies of the restaurant Willow on Wascana, one of the best in Regina, Saskatchewan, the meat is wild boar and it's combined with figs and walnuts. It's an easy recipe that's a perfect combination of rustic and elegant. All of the recipes in the cookbook come from their extraordinary 36,767 kilometer road trip. That's 22,846 miles, which they did in Dana's small white car, which didn't have cruise control. I asked if they missed cooking while they were traveling, and Dana said, We actually did a lot of camping on the trip, so we packed like a camp stove and some kind of like a little car kitchen. We had some spices and we actually packed cheesecloth. And when we were camping in the Northwest Territories, we uh, made cheese in the woods from like some yeah. milk that we got yeah, up there. Let's have paneer for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a fun like... It was yeah. We had to jerry rig a lot of things to make it Hang happen. It from a but, tree. Yeah. <laughs> we had like yeah, we had like a colander and cheesecloth. Lindsay might have forgotten to pack pajamas while remembering to bring cheesecloth, but that just goes to show how devoted they are to food and the experience of discovering what Canadians eat. And once you've heard Lindsay talk about nachos, you'll agree that she probably does prioritize cheese over sleep. In a perfect world, I think Dana and Lindsay would cook every Sunday night dinner outside over an open flame. Growing up, their Sundays were a collection of home-cooked meals, mostly of the conventional oven variety, though. For Lindsay... Sunday was like, my dad would cook breakfast. My dad hasn't... He's not like a guy that loves to be in the kitchen, but that was like the thing. Dad made breakfast on Sunday mornings, so we'd have breakfast by dad, and then... It wasn't every Sunday by any means, but, like, I come from a very, like, 
my my roots are predominantly English, like Irish, Scottish. So like a Sunday roast was quite common in our house. Um, so yeah, like roast beef and roast potatoes or mashed potatoes, probably like whatever, you know, vegetables were in season. And for Dana. Often actually on Sunday afternoons, I would go to my friend's grandma's house. We'd go after church and there's always Dutch meatball soup and Gouda cheese and droppies. If you're not sure what droppies are, they are a super strong salty licorice candy common in the Netherlands and Scandinavian countries, and they're definitely an acquired taste. And uh, as a kid, I I loved any kind of treat or snack food, and droppies aren't exactly sweet, but I could really, really uh, eat them by the handful. <laughs> One of the chapters in the book is called Sweet Stuff, and while it doesn't have a recipe for droppies, it does feature delicious recipes of everything from the classic Nanaimo bars and sugar pie to goat yogurt fudge from the Yukon and wild rice pudding with blueberries from Winnipeg. This wild boar recipe comes from the Feathers and Tails chapter of the book, which also features recipes like pork and shrimp wontons, Acadian chicken fricket, and chocolate ravioli with cider braised oxtail. If you can't find wild boar, you can use a 50-50 mixture of ground pork and lean ground beef, which is what Dana and Lindsay did when they cooked in my kitchen. I set them up with aprons and a higher-than-average kitchen counter, and they happily went to work. Here's Lindsay and some garlic. Wild boar um, are all over Saskatchewan, and we're going to, this is garlic, we're going to put a lot of garlic into the sauce. Um, So yeah, there's a ton of wild boar, and this is a way, like so much so that sometimes the government, they, they encourage hunting of them because... Otherwise, they'll take over the province. And then the thing that's special about these meatballs, um, other than the wild boar, is that they have fig um, and walnuts in them. So the walnuts are amazing because they add this kind of like, or so the figs are amazing because they add this sort of like seedy little earthy crunch, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of expected and a little bit of sweetness. Because some meatball recipes will have um, like currants in them. Um, But this has figs and then the walnuts also add a nice you know, round out the flavor and are just so so tasty. Nice Canadian ingredient. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing we're going to do is they're cooked in a tomato sauce and you want the tomato sauce to be able to simmer for a nice long time. Um, So we're going to put the tomato sauce together first. And then, um, and it's just super basic. It's mainly a ton of garlic, olive oil, salt, and the best quality uh, whole tomatoes you can get. I see you've picked up San Marzano. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And um, and then we'll get that on the stove and then we'll put the meatballs together. So I'm going to chop a whole bunch of garlic and then Dana maybe can speak to the spices that are going to go in. Yeah, so um, there's just a, a bit of um, spices that we're going to toast. Um, start with whole spices um, and then toast them and then once they are a bit fragrant we can take them out and grind them either in a mortar and pestle, or you can also kind of like roughly do it with a knife too, probably. So it is uh, two whole cloves and about a half a teaspoon of fennel seeds and a quarter teaspoon of uh, whole mustard seeds. And they'll toast probably for about eight minutes or so. We want to toast them because it makes the flavor even richer and it makes your kitchen smell nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm chopping up eight cloves of garlic. That's why it's taking so long. 
So we've got the spices here. Uh, you can turn the oven on to 350 to toast the spices, and then we're going to actually cook the meatballs at 325, but get that started. Get that preheating. And then, and this tomato sauce actually that's in the book is perfect for meatballs, but it's also really awesome to make um, just as like a pizza sauce. I've gotten really into making barbecued pizza lately, and this sauce is so good for it. Um, or just like as a simple tomato sauce um, to have the pasta. So, and also the garlic doesn't have to be like really finely chopped. It can be relatively rough and it's going to, the sauce is gonna simmer and the break, garlic will kind of break down anyway. So, so we're gonna do about three tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, you, you know, yeah. Yeah, you can just eyeball it. Just basically just want a lot. And then we'll warm that up a little bit and add the garlic. And you want the garlic to kind of like slowly simmer in the oil for a bit. Um, you don't want to burn it, so you can, you can go easy. There we go. Yes. Gas. That's awesome. Um, so we'll go low. And we'll put, and then it's so nice because all you have to do is basically chop up garlic, throw it in with some olive oil. Let it simmer for a minute, throw in your tomatoes, add a handful of salt, and then you just let that be. And the tomatoes break down in the sauce, and then kind of as it's getting closer to the end, you just sort of mash them up, any lumps that are still left, um, with a wooden spoon. And that's our tomato sauce. We've got that cooking. And then the spices will go into the oven, and then we can start mixing up the uh, meat mixture. We'll let that get going. It's starting to smell good. It's starting to smell very garlicky. And we'll open up our beautiful San Marzano tomatoes. So you'll put the tomatoes, two 28-ounce cans, into the pot with the garlic and olive oil, and then you'll add two teaspoons of salt, and then, as Lindsay mentioned, you'll just let that be. You'll simmer it for about an hour while you put the meatballs together. While the spices filled the kitchen with their delicious, comforting smells, I asked Dana and Lindsay if they spent much time cooking in other people's kitchens while they were on their road trip. Some of the coolest parts were, were cooking with people in their homes, or like, the, you know, the times we'd be invited, invited over for, you know, family dinners. We had like a big feast with a, an Italian family in... Mississauga, we learned how to make gnocchi. That family has a recipe in the book. It's um, the fried zucchini flowers with stuffed with ricotta and anchovies and garlic, and they're so good. I actually got really excited about those the other day because I was like, it's, it's that time of year again. Like, soon there will be blossoms at the market. Um, so, yeah, but camp, camp, we both like love cooking while we're camping. Um, so that was fun. We kind of did that as much as we could. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there's another recipe in the book. If anybody else is jazzed at the idea of cooking outside, the um, there's two bannock recipes in the book, and both are fried because we love fried bannock. And uh, one in particular, it's basically like it's kind of like making drop biscuits, um, and then you fry them, and they're really really good with maple syrup and salt, and they're awesome for camping because you can actually mix up all like the dry stuff and even cut the butter into it ahead of time and just have that in a bag. Then all you have to do is add the liquid, give it a little bit of a mix, and then just kind of you just sort of like drop biscuit style, you just kind of like pull it up with your hands and just put it right into the frying oil. Another cool uh, time that we got to go into someone's house is we were actually in New Brunswick, and. Um, 
we, we connected with the tourism board there. They were kind of helping us out and they were sending us to the Kujibukwak National Park, which was um, uh, gorgeous. And we, we arrived and um, Camilla was the, was the director at the time. And she was like, yeah, like a, you should definitely see the park. It's gorgeous. Um, you'll have a great time. But I think, you know, based on your trip, what you really want, what you really should do is have a cooking lesson with my mother. She's this beloved Acadian cook in the community. So we were kind of like, uh, yeah, you get us. <laughs> so she, um, she brought us over to her mother's house where we learned how to make poutine râpé, which are kind of like uh, salted pork potato dumplings. Um, the, the dough is made from grated raw potato mixed with uh, cooked mashed potato. And then they're kind of stuffed with salt pork and rolled up into like a little baseball sized dumpling and uh, they're boiled for a couple of hours and then while they were boiling she was like okay go explore the park which was gorgeous and um and then we came back and had dinner with the two of them and they um you slice them open you kind of you eat it with uh brown sugar and black pepper yeah, if you'd like and like, then who would have thought <laughs> and it was just so fun because you're like oh i I thought I knew all the ways that you could eat meat and potatoes. And I've like, you know, you don't think of meat and potatoes as like this special thing. We've all grown like up on it or I have. in the field anymore, <laughs> Yeah, but know? we're like, yeah. yeah, this dough actually kind of has the same kind of texture as like sticky rice. And like, yeah, it was I had crazy. no idea you could make such a dough out of potatoes. So. Okay, let's get back to the meatballs. You're going to grab a big bowl and all of the ingredients for the meatballs will be added to that bowl. Here's Dana starting with the garlic, and then they'll move on to the rosemary, figs, walnuts, and cheese. I'm just gonna chop up another clove of garlic for the meatball. There are eight garlic, there are eight, eight cloves, yeah. wasn't enough in the sauce. So the meatballs, um, we're gonna wanna chop up, we've got the garlic, but then there's also chopped fresh rosemary um, that we, you want to, I mean, it's about a tablespoon in total, and you want it, it's fresh, but you want to chop it fairly finely so that nobody's getting a big needle in the middle of their meatball. We've also got the figs we're going to chop up. You can use any kind of dried figs, really, whatever you prefer. Um, and walnuts, again, whichever ones you like the most. So, yeah, and then it's just a matter, basically, of, like, chopping and then mixing everything together in a big bowl. Um, and the other things that you're going to want to add as you're going um, there's going to be some cheese in the meatball mixture, dried breadcrumbs, um, Dijon, salt, fresh ground back pepper, um, a little bit of water, a couple of eggs, and then all of the meat. So the, the menu or the ingredients list might look a little bit long, but it's actually really easy. You just kind of dump everything in. And then when you're mixing the meatballs together, um, you don't want them at all to become kind of tough. So um, usually what we do is put everything in first, mix it all together, and then add the meat at the end and just kind of like massage all the other ingredients into, into the meat. So Dana's got the rosemary. Mm -hmm. What shall I take care of? Walnuts? Walnuts and figs, how about? Sure. Lindsay finely chopped five dried figs and three tablespoons of walnuts. You'll add those to the bowl, and then you'll add a quarter cup of grated Parmesan cheese. Here's Dana with the breadcrumbs. Um, I'm just going to measure out half a cup of breadcrumbs into the, into the meatball bowl. We've got spelt crumbs, which will work just fine. We don't have regular breadcrumbs. Add some flavor. Mm -hmm. Another nice Canadian ingredient. 
And our sauce is simmering away and I'm just breaking up the tomatoes with a spoon kind of as she goes and it looks really nice. Back to the meatballs. Now we're gonna put in two tablespoons of the Dijon and then really we've just gotta add a few um, seasoning things and then we're gonna put the meat in. And Dana and I can rock, paper, scissors for who massages up this ground <laughs> meat. <laughs> Actually, um, whenever I make meatballs or burgers, I always think of my grandfather who used to make burgers or whenever he was making burgers or anything with ground meat, he'd always like sneak me a bit of the raw ground beef. Like it was all like really seasoned and delicious. And so I remember eating like raw ground beef with him in, in the, in the kitchen. Tartar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was always, yeah. It, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to feed children that, but <laughs> here you are. Surviving and thriving. Yeah. Okay, we've got Dijon in. Okay, we're gonna just grind these spices. Dana ground the toasted spices, the cloves, mustard seeds, and fennel seeds with a mortar and pestle, and they smelled so good. It's a really aromatic combination. Yeah, the combination, like the way, so the chef is um, Tim Davies, and like, his combination of flavors for this is just genius. It's all the stuff that I never would have thought to put together. Or I would have thought to put together maybe like half of them and then he's, you know, just gone all the way. Um, and then our salt. So Dana just put those mm -hmm. spices into the meat bowl. Yeah. Then you'll add two eggs. Cracking some eggs into this. So now we have, except for the pepper, we'll put some pepper. Pepper, pepper in. Pepper, 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 pepper. Um, yeah, so we've got everything in except the meat, and we'll, like you said, it's, it's sometimes easiest if you just kind of like mix everything else together first, um, and then you put the meat in. Do you want to rock, paper, scissors? Do you want to do it? I can just do it. Okay. She loves her ground meat, so. Grandpappy. So again, these are wild boar meatballs. What we're what we're working with here is a 50/50 mixture of uh, lean ground beef and pork. Half a pound of each. You'll use your hands or a big spoon to combine everything, and then you'll form the meat into balls. The book recommends dividing the mixture into about a dozen, but you can also make them smaller if you'd like. Then you'll place the balls in an oven-proof dish and cover them with the sauce. The oven will be at 325, and you'll bake them until they're firm, about 35 to 40 minutes, depending on the size. While they shaped the meat into balls, I asked each of them what the other's comfort food would be. Here's Dana talking about Lindsay's. I often think of her eating like making in, uh, nachos with like a, go a good cheddar, some guacamole. Yeah, great. And okay. nachos were the thing. I lived in Italy for a year, and obviously I was like, eating was amazing, but the one thing that I was like, I, it's so hard not to have this was cheddar, and not having nachos, like, I couldn't believe how much I'm, like, I was like, oh, I didn't realize how much I consume cheddar. I eat so much cheddar in my regular life, so that was actually really hard. And Lindsay, what is Dana's comfort food? Well, I would definitely say, like, droppies, and I find it so fascinating because it's, they're so strong to me, and I, yeah. I have a pretty, like, adventurous palate. I'm like, wow, the droppy, I still gotta conquer the droppy. Of course, for many of us, Sunday dinner is all about comfort, and the smell of spices in my kitchen was promising a lot of that. Back to the meatballs. 
Dana and Lindsay put them in the baking dish. They should fit snugly, and then Lindsay used a big ladle for the sauce. So yeah, we're just gonna put the tomato sauce right over it, and then throw it in the oven. And it's really, really that simple. And it also wouldn't hurt to like double this recipe if you're gonna make it. And then you can put a bunch in the freezer, like with or without the sauce, and just cook them up later. And then for serving, you can have it like, it's really yummy with some sliced toasted bread drizzled with a bit of olive oil. Um, or you could do it with rice, and you could do it with a bit of pasta on the side if you wanted. If you're gonna make like spaghetti and meatballs, then it would be probably easy to make, or best to make the balls like a little bit smaller than they are, but. Um. Okay, and she goes, and then in there for about 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, you can just kind of check on them because they're going in and like the sauce is hot already. Um, that'll, if you were putting, if you'd made the sauce ahead of time, you were putting it and it was cold, obviously it would take a while to come up. Um, but yeah, we'll check on it in like half an hour and see how it's doing. And once the sauce gets bubbling in the oven, it doesn't actually take that long for the meatballs to cook. Obviously you want them to cook through, but now's the easy part. Now you just wait and clean up. <laughs> Lindsay and Dana went in search of the answer to the question, what is Canadian food? And they talked to a diverse cross-section of the country in their quest. Our connection to food is emotional and can sometimes make us nostalgic. And I wanted to know whether they experienced people feeling nostalgic about a type of food or experience of eating. Interestingly, I think the when we were up north was when we experienced the most, like, the strongest emotional connection to traditional food, and that was in Nunavut, where we were. Um, we were actually at a at a, the Rankin and the Healing Facility, which is kind of like the the jail up there. And um, we were talking to the cooks there, and there were, and they they actually serve country food every Sunday evening um, because it's like that's all they can afford to do, and it's like the emotional calm that that the inmates. It's like it's palpable. Like it's you can see the change in them after they've eaten their traditional food. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that it was on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. yeah. Food in the north is so expensive, right? So a lot of it ends up being prepackaged, um, you know, sodium-heavy, sugar-heavy food. A lot of the rest of the week, they're eating like stovetop stuffing and a lot of things out of cans. And um, it makes a huge difference. It wasn't even just there, actually. It was like people that we talked to in various parts of Rankin Inlet, just speaking of being able to have access to traditional food, like what that means, and this fear of um, that access not always being there in ways that they, they would like, and, and people working really, really hard to make sure that it that it is, because they don't want that knowledge to be lost, they don't want the food to be lost, you know, there's like so many different factors that affect it all, but yeah, absolutely, in terms of like emotional connections to food, it's huge. I'm going to end with that question that motivated Lindsay and Dana to embark on their amazing adventure from the beginning. What is Canadian food? We, at the end of the road trip, came up with this sort of like big list of ingredients and dishes that are just some of the many things that could be called Canadian food. And it went on for quite a long time. And we're like, if we did this trip, even six months from now, we would find so much more stuff to add to it. Yeah. You know, like Canadian food is constantly changing in the best yeah. way possible. So 
Yeah, it's it's satisfying to be able to say, you know, when people be kind of like, there is no such thing as Canadian food, and they say like poutine and Nanaimo bars, and that's it. You're like, no, no, no. There's so much we can talk about. Like, yeah. so we could go on forever. It's just like not a neat little answer. Yeah, it takes a while yeah, to talk about. I mean, but that's yeah. okay. I encourage you to go and get their really beautiful book, and to read their stories and try some new recipes. The book is published by Appetite by Random House, and you can get it anywhere you buy your books. We're also having a book giveaway over on Instagram at Podcast Sunday Night Dinner. And if you follow us on Twitter, you have an extra chance to win. If those sites aren't your thing, send us an email, info at SundayNightDinnerPodcast.com, and let us know what you think of when you think Canadian food. The giveaway ends at midnight on June 30th, and we'll announce the winner on Canada Day. Sunday Night Dinner is produced by Suzanne Hancock. Music by J.J. Ibsen. Huge thank yous to Dana Van Veller and Lindsay Anderson for cooking in my kitchen and for revisiting some of their favorite road trip moments. It was lovely to see that after spending 24 hours a day together for 150 days, their friendship remains strong. You can read their award-winning culinary travel blog at edibleroadtrip.com and they've kindly let me post some of their amazing photos on sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com as well. You can find the recipe for Tim Davies' wild boar and fig meatballs in the recipes section of the podcast website. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and you can go back to listen to shows featuring writer Miriam Taves, pizza maker extraordinaire chef Rocco Agostino, Chef Michael Dixon, Laura Wright, Suzanne Barr, and Eshen Mott. Thanks for listening. See you soon.